1: With Alex Golden and Michael Fachi. Miller
0: for three. Oh! He backed it in! He backed it in! And the game is tied! We're going to overtime! Warren lets it try. Yes! TJ Warren! Is not human! Ranger catches, shoots for three to win it! He hits it! We go Brogdon for three! Got, got it! O'Neill drives on Yao! Puts it in! Duarte for three! Oh. Oh. Hibbert denies him at the rim. Karis LeVert, people don't realize how good he really is. LeBert skies high for the champ. Stevenson LeBert. passes LeBert. into
2: Sabonis for the basket. Jackson turns, fires, and hits. Oh, wow. Turner bringing that smoke. It flips it to the big fella, fake, shoots, and
0: This is TJ McConnell, and you're listening to Setting
2: the Pace. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Setting the Pace. I am your host, Mike Focci, and I am joined today by Spencer Percy, co-host of the BuzzBeat Podcast. Spencer, what's happening? Hey, how are you guys doing?
1: Yeah, appreciate you having me back on this year. Excited for another year uh, of Hornets basketball. I think the Hornets and the Pacers might be maybe – uh Buying it out for, for that, for that
2: play in uh, seven through 10, maybe. <laughs> Spencer, you never know, because uh, I guess, ironically, maybe we'd say that's where we were last year, the nine to 10 matchup Pacers versus Hornets, the play in game. It was the last game of the season for the Hornets and the second to last game for the Pacers. Well, you know, I think I might've wished it was the last game because the Pacers ended up getting stomped out by the wizards. So uh, the, the prize being the eighth seed, it ended up not really being worth it. Spencer, you didn't miss much, But take us through what might have changed for Charlotte since that game.
1: Yeah, well, quite a bit has changed. Um, You know, I I think it starts with Devontae Graham, you know, leaving for New Orleans. Uh, That was the most notable exit, you know, for the Hornets, I I think, from last year's roster. And, you know, coming in to replace him, uh, you know, Ish Smith. Uh, you know, journeyman, backup point guard in the league. Those are going to be tough minutes, I think, for Ish to, to fill in. You know, aside from that, you know, Charlotte brings in Kelly Oubre on, I think, a, a team-friendly deal. I think he can really help this team on the wing, specifically defensively. He's just the kind of player that they really didn't have last year or even the year before, just as a pure wing stopper uh, with a good wingspan, uh, keep the ball in front. I think he Oubre can really help Charlotte play more traditional defensive style, which they've really junked it up defensively, <laughs> as you probably saw in that play-in game yep. uh, last season. I, hopefully they won't have to do as much of that this year. Mason Plumley, you know, comes in. He'll be the starting center for Charlotte. Hopefully he can stay on the floor, which Cody Zeller was not able to do and, and replace those back Beyond biombo minutes, which I think can really help. And then, you know, James Booknight, <clears throat> uh, the, the notable first-round pick for Charlotte, he's going to have to play that Malik Monk, you know, I wouldn't call him a six man, but he's going to have to score off the bench for sure uh, for this roster this year. So, I, you know, those are some of the, the notable changes. You know, Kai Jones, uh, Hornets trade up into the first round to get him too. don't don't really expect him to play a lot this year. Um, but
2: yeah, and then Lamella Ball. I mean, can he take that big leap in his sophomore season? Absolutely. So a lot to dissect here. I'm going to start with the Ubre signing. Because Spencer, I thought this was a steal. At one point, Kelly Ubre looked like he was going to be, you know, headed towards some big time free agency money. It it didn't quite work out. Two years, twenty four point six million, and only five million guaranteed in the second year. I think that is an absolute steal for what I would label an up and coming Hornets team. So I, I saw them all working out together earlier in the season. I think that's great. I think they're building some nice team camaraderie. Ish Smith nice pickup speedy point guard right over there it, it's it's a you know the second year is not guaranteed two years 9.2 million you can't go wrong there uh james book i love i love the pick i i really do book is someone that i knew wouldn't be uh available when the pacers were picking at 13 you know there was rumors that gold state was even going to snag him at seven so i feel like he got great value there at number 11 with book uh as it relates to kai jones one of the most questionable trades on the Knicks end, when uh, the Knicks and the Hornets made that trade, the Hornets had such great protections on that pick. So they take Kai Jones with the 19th overall pick. They offer a top 18 protected pick in 2022. And then I believe it pretty much stays, you know, right around top 16 protected, top 18. So, you know, there's, there's no reason that that pick is ever going to come back to bite the Hornets here. Uh, then as it relates to Mason Plumley. Now, I'm not going to lie. The Hornets were a team that every Pacer fan kind of had uh, circled on a list. Where, hey, look, that's a team that needs a center. If they're looking for a center, it feels like Miles Turner someone. It's been rumored there for a while. Well, you end up going with, the, I thought, a great low-risk trade. Uh, you make the trade for Mason Plumlee and JT Thor. And it was like, you guys, basically, you took on Plumlee's contract. And I think it was Detroit ended up getting the 57th overall pick. I believe that's what it was. Yeah. Um, yeah. So great value for you guys, Plumley. I believe it's a one-year deal, so no risk there at all. Kai Jones, I think you wait for him to develop, but you got two good first-round picks there. You signed Kelly Oubre, Ish Smith, Mason Plumley. They got some pieces over there. Now it's the the some other stuff that they did is Terry Rozier got an extension, four years, ninety-six point two million. Scary Terry is the guy that actually scared me to death in free agency a couple of years ago. I was really hesitant, but he's coming off of a career year. What were your thoughts on the extension for Terry Rozier? Yeah, I think it surprised some people. Um,
1: you know, I, <clears throat> I thought there was a chance that the Miles Bridges extension would maybe come first if either one of those extensions came because there was a deadline on when that could get done, uh, which was, which was just recently passed. Of course, Bridges and, and Charlotte didn't come to terms. But you know, I I think that I think that Charlotte is a few things with Rosier. You know, Charlotte is the kind of market where if you come, it's a small market. They're not going to attract free agents. You come in, you, you're somewhat young and developing. Um, you know, you play well, you earn your keep, which Rosier has more than done. You know, the last two seasons in Charlotte, he's been one of the best catching. He's been one of the best catch and shoot players from behind the arc in the entire NBA. So. You know, small markets are going to reward guys like that. You know, they, they want to have that good PR, that, that good feeling. Hey, when guys come here and they do their thing, they're going to get paid. So uh, it, it's rich. I think it's probably a little bit of an overpay. But again, small market, that, that's what you have to do. But, you know, what Rosier does also give this team is, is some real salary fodder, too, which they needed. Uh, you know, you have Gordon Hayward's big deal. And then you look down the rest of the roster, and there's just not a lot of salary that could be outgoing in a, few, in a potential future trade. So you look at Rozier at uh, seventeen nine this year, bumps up to 21.5, 20, almost twenty three and a half, and twenty three twenty four. So now you have a good chunk of change that if a player were to become available somewhere, and Charlotte continued on this uh, improving trajectory, we well, got Rozier's contract, you got a Bray Non guarantee of twelve six next year. You got a Mason Plumlee non guarantee of eight point five next year. You know there's some things to play with now. So I think that was part of the mindset as well uh, on the contract outside of Rozier just really earning it. And I think there's some skepticism that he can't he can't keep up these shooting numbers. Maybe he can't keep up the mid range numbers that he had last year that were off the charts from where he'd been uh, shooting in that area the rest of his career, but you know terry just he's he's bought in in charlotte i think he's taking on this leadership uh mindset he seems to really love it here like i I think that he's probably not going to get a whole lot better in terms of efficiency offensively but i don't think i necessarily see the the decline coming that that some of the the pundits have have floated
2: yeah no doubt about it he stepped his game up big time since coming to charlotte this is a guy that was very inaccurate in boston so his shooting percentages last year were very eye-opening so i also think you made a great point in regards to the salary because i know when we heard that charlotte had interest in miles turner you know alex my co-host he was going through a bunch of different trade scenarios trying to get pj washington on the pacers and salary wise you just couldn't do it it wasn't going to happen Alex, sorry yeah no alex was really trying to speak it into existence i I think i gave him a hard time on twitter (laughs) <laughs> oh, absolutely. He was all over P.J. Washington. I don't blame him. I really like what you guys got there at P.J. Washington. One player I want to touch on that departed and actually uh, really left, I, I thought, a fair chunk of money on the table, Malik Monk. Obviously, he wants to win a ring, signs over with the Lakers. I felt like bold move, giving up what would have been his first payday. How come Charlotte let Malik go, and, and were you surprised by that?
1: Not really, um, you know. Monk's cap hold was really high; it was in that fifteen sixteen million dollar range, uh, you know, in, in free agency. So he was really going to handcuff Charlotte's flexibility. So I, it, it was pretty obvious that they were probably going to move on from Monk, starting there with the cap hold. But you know, outside of that, like it just it just never seemed to go right for Monk and Charlotte. Like I, I think. I'll be the first to tell you, and I think all of the Hornets fans would, like the talent is evident, um, but it just seemed like one thing after another. It was injuries. You know, he had the drug suspension. Um, he had the, he had the the step back with COVID, you know, and, and then that dates back to, or going way before that, you know, when he was drafted in Charlotte, you know, Steve Clifford was the coach then and not, not a rookie friendly coach, I wouldn't say. So some of the habits that Monk came into the league with, um, didn't get him enough playing time early in his career. So when Borrego finally showed up, it felt like the, the roster had kind of developed around him. And so it just never, it never worked out in Charlotte. Um, I'm pulling for Monk. I think it's cool that he's betting on himself, you know, with this basically minimum deal that he's taken with LA. I think he can help the Lakers. Uh, actually pretty excited to watch him play tonight, but uh, you know, I, I wish him all the best, but it's just, every time Monk took a step forward in Charlotte, he took two backwards and some of that is luck. Yeah, I think other parts of that are, you know, what do you want to be in a league? How seriously do you want to take this? How hard do you want to work? And, and look, Malik Monk has had his challenges in that area. So we'll, it'll be interesting to see where his career goes from here.
2: Yeah, no, he has had some challenges. I had um, one of my old coworkers was really the only other diehard NBA guy in the office. And he was a Charlotte fan. So I got a healthy dose of Malik Monk updates more than anyone ever needs, but I started to become invested in him. And those first two years in Charlotte, they were real rough because as a lottery pick, where Charlotte was at, they needed Monk to kind of, you know, develop a little bit earlier. And I feel like he finally put it together last year. But, you know, for the the cap hole that you mentioned, it would have been Charlotte committing a lot of money off of what really looked like maybe about one real good year compared to three very so-so to not so good years. So I don't blame you there. I just thought it was questionable that he passed up. The money, as you got to imagine, there was more lucrative offers. But, hey, he's betting on himself. You just got to hope he gets enough playing time on that Lakers team that, you know, they they are stacked with guys that have been somebody. So it's going to be a bit tough. But we're now one year into the Gordon Hayward four-year, $120 million deal. Injuries, unfortunately, affected him as they did in Boston. However, you know, he enters this season healthy. What are your expectations for Gordon Hayward this year? As I got to be honest, things could have been very different for the Hornets if he had stayed healthy last year because some people might forget I bet Hornets fans don't Charlotte had the fourth seed at one point last year things were going good before injuries got to LaMelo and Hayward but let's touch on Gordon for now
1: yeah exactly <clears throat> exactly the Hornets were I think five games above 500 you know when he when he first got hurt if I'm not mistaken and you know the season fell apart from there but uh, look I, I he's the stabilizer of this roster is you know, certainly offensively you know he's just really what he brings to the team uh, in the offensive approach is just in the half court, a matchup beater, again, a stabilizer, a guy that Charlotte can give the ball to in the middle of the floor uh, and, and he can go get a bucket. He can get to the foul line. you know he's a good passer. Um, it, kind of just your old school again matchup beater, uh, reliable player that Charlotte doesn't have elsewhere on the roster. You know the, the guy I would say is, is probably closest to that is Miles Bridges, but he's still a developing player. Um, and more of a kind of jack-of-all-trades, master of none. So Charlotte places him all over the floor. But, man, I mean, this team just needs Hayward's presence for their half-court offense so, so badly. Um, so, you know, hopefully he can stay healthy. I floated on buzz on the BuzzBeat podcast just the other day. You know, I'd put his over-under on games played at probably like 58-and-a-half. Yeah. I think that if, you know, if you <laughs> – one of my co-hosts, uh, Lee Branscom said, "If you know, if you gave the coaching staff truth serum, they would probably take that I- any day of the week and, and not think twice. So, you know, Hayward's, he's super important. I mean, Charlotte wants to play fast. They're going to push the tempo. You know, that's the style of mellow ball plays your backup point guard Ish Smith. He's going to help you push it. But at the end of games, the game slows down. We know this in the playoffs play in scenarios, game slows down. Hayward's got to be that matchup beater for Charlotte in those situations. So he's super important. And, you know, uh, my other co-host the other day floated the question to us: Who is the most important player on this on this Hornets roster, uh, in terms of where the win loss record actually lands? I, I think the conventional wisdom answer would be Lamelo Ball, but I think there's a real argument to be made for Gordon Hayward for all the reasons that I just I mentioned.
2: I completely agree there because it's like if Hayward stays healthy, you can't overlook. Charlotte I think for LaMelo Ball people just like they just assume like oh he'll be fine he had a wrist injury like that's fine he doesn't have a history of being injured you know everything's going to be all right but if Hayward yeah that's like the, the I don't want to call him the x factor because an x factor is usually maybe a player with less of a pedigree than Gordon Hayward but this man is an all-star like if he's healthy Charlotte is going to be good but you touched on LaMelo Ball I am a big fan of his I really felt that he should have went First overall in the draft, but I just feel like people had some questions. Well, I think he answered all of them last year. He is a special talent. What sort of leap are you expecting in year two for LaMelo Ball?
1: Well, you know, I mean, <clears throat> defensively, I think that LaMelo Ball is going to probably raise some eyebrows with the steel numbers this year. Charlotte wants to be really aggressive on that, that end of the floor. You know, They want him to take chances. Um, you're still going to see some of that zone, that matchup zone, uh, switching everything. He's going to be aggressive in passing lanes, kind of leaving his man randomly and coming for steals. If you've seen any of the Hornets in the preseason, mm-hmm. you, you probably see LaMelo did did a lot of that. So, you know, that's all great. And that's how he's wired. And I think we can build you know, the defensive uh, scheme around that. But, you know, I, I mentioned the other day, I just, I'd like to see LaMelo improve in the area of, of. Picking your spots, right. With how aggressive to be. Don't, don't, don't set your team up uh, in a bad position by taking too many chances. And sometimes when I watch Lamella ball, that's, that's what I see. Just a little bit too much randomness (laughs) when it comes to, to chaos. And and I think the same thing can, can be said on the offensive end. Um, You know, he wants to make the home run pass every time. Um, You know, he wants to drop the sports center, top 10 diamond, all that is great in the in the open floor it looks amazing and he's the best I've ever seen at delivering an on the money pass uh he makes the the hardest pass in the league full court look like the easiest thing ever I mean it's amazing in the half court though uh I, I think the the amount of chances that he takes become a little bit uh can become a little bit toxic for the half court offense so just decision making in general I think Mike and then you know, obviously the shooting's the big thing, right? Like he shot 35% from behind the arc last year. I think if you (laughs) scouted him at all uh, before he was drafted, that was the weakest part of his game is outside shooting. Um, So he's ahead of schedule. Um, Now defenses, you know, they're going to try to slow the Hornets down to try to get him in the half court. They're going to go under every single Lamello ball, picking, you know, ball screen.
2: Is he going to be able to keep defenses honest, you know, on that end? So that's the other thing I'm watching. The ball is must-see TV. I know the whole ball family, they get a bad rap, but th- this guy he really is a special talent. So I-, I think, you know, you would hope that Charlotte has more televised games this year than last year. I don't know how that broke down. All I know is being a Pacers fan, you're lucky if you get more than one on national television. I'm not talking about NBA TV. So we will be right back in one quick second. We are going to dive into the actual opening night matchup between the Hornets and the Pacers. We will be right back.
0: For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All
2: right, everybody, we are back. And as we break down this upcoming matchup, it is going to be game one of the season between the Hornets and the Pacers. So you truly never know what to expect, but Spencer, what is uh, the expectation for the starting five for Charlotte on Wednesday?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's Lamelo, Rozier, um, Hayward, Bridges, and Plumlee uh, would would be my guess. I think PJ Washington <clears throat> will be coming off the bench this year. Um, you know, Miles Bridges just he improved so much last year. You know, he was kind of in and out of the starting lineup, but. Uh, he, he just, he has to be in the starting lineup. So that's, that's what I would project as Charlotte's starting five.
2: I like it. Yeah. If Bridges is not in the starting lineup and did not get that contract extension, eh, you gotta, gotta imagine that could ruffle him a, a bit wrong, but I thought that's a guy who took a big step in year three last year. So I kind of did think he would have got that contract extension, but you know, we'll, we'll wait to determine that. So going out some numbers from last year, uh, last year, the Hornets, they were 23rd in scoring at 109.5 while the Pacers were sixth in scoring at 115.3. Now the Pacers are no longer in uh, the Nate Bjorkren era. It is the Rick Carlisle era. So I I think while the Pacers scored a lot, unfortunately, they gave up a lot of points. So that's an emphasis uh, emphasis on defense has been major. So I know that the Pacers are doing everything they can to address defense. They signed Torrey Craig. You brought in Isaiah Jackson and Chris Duarte, and while they're just both rookies, they were both guys that were all defensive teams. I mean, these are – everything has been about defense. How – what can we expect from the Hornets defense this year?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's a good question. Again, you know, I brought up Ubre a little earlier. I think that, you know, Kelly will at least help them just switch from from player to player more cleanly and less of the junky matchup zone that you saw a lot from Charlotte last year. But, I, you know, Borrego, he played more zone defense. He has the last two seasons – than really any other coach in the league by a long, long shot, shot last season. So you're still going to see a lot of that uh, after timeouts. Just You can watch for this last uh, tomorrow night. Almost every single timeout afterwards when Indiana comes out, whether it's a baseline out of bounds or a sideline out of bounds, Charlotte's probably going to be in his own defense. That's kind of a staple of Borrego's. Um, But they're going to be aggressive. They're going to get up into the ball. Um You know, I I think with Plumlee, you're going to see mostly drop coverage, you know, against the pick and roll all season, but when they go small and they bring P.J. Washington in at five, now you're seeing they're going to switch across one through five. Um, You know, that's when I would say it's really time for Demondis Sabonis uh, to make his hay. Um, So they can do, you know, Plumlee allows them to play a little bit more traditional uh, in terms of pick and roll deed, but Again, you're going to see them try to go small tomorrow night, especially against a team like Indiana with with as big as they can go. Like I I, honestly, I would say even if um, even if Sabonis and Turner are out there together, that you could see Borrego try to go small with PJ. I mean, Charlotte's going to try to find those market inefficiencies, if you will, all season long.
2: Now I have seen Charlotte go small, PJ Washington, and I've seen him thrive in that role. So, you know, when you mentioned the starting lineup, look, I I assume that Mason Plumlee would be in there for now, but PJ Washington is a player that I feel like is going to get better and better. I remember him having might've been, I think it was a 42 point game last year or or something very close to it. Um, So, you know, I'm very excited to see his growth from a rebounding standpoint. Look, there's no way to put it more clear than the Pacers are a terrible rebounding team last year. 26th in the NBA in rebounding, despite starting two bigs. So it, it hurts. This year in preseason, I thought they've been a little bit better, but it's so hard to judge when preseason really is not accurate. Last year, Charlotte was 19th in rebounding at 43.8, while Indiana was 26th. Uh, do you see Charlotte being a better rebounding team this year than last year?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it. You know, part of it depends on if Mason Plumlee can can stay available, which he he has. I mean, he, you know, he doesn't have a history of missing a lot of games in his career. Um, you know, one thing Charlotte has on this team and Ubre will help this as well is their guards, their backcourt, the really good rebounders at the guard position. I mean, Rozier, Lamello, you know, Ubre, I mean, these, these are guys that are all above average rebounders. So it is a gang mentality um, for them on the defensive glass with their lack of size uh, but, I, you know, it, it, it's hard to see them being much better than 18th, honestly. Like, that's – if they can be a league average rebounding team, all, specifically on the defensive glass, I think that's a win. Uh, just because this is a team, for yet again this season, just they have a hole in the middle.
2: Yeah, I mean, hey, rebounding, I, I've said it time and time, year after year. That's what – rebounding and getting the free throw line are the two things that the Pacers do – horribly year after year and they have not improved it which brings me to the next point now the hornets were 24th in the nba last year in free throw attempts at 20.9 while the pacers topped them they were 26th at 20.7 uh what do you anticipate this year in terms of getting to the line do you think it's going to be Lamelo really you know upping his free throw attempts this year in year two or who are the guys that the pacers need to worry about in terms of getting to the line on wednesday yeah, I think, you know,
1: Lamelo's going to have more opportunities again, especially late in games, you know, with no Devontae Graham. Lamelo didn't he didn't close uh, quite a few more games last year than, than people probably realize. And now that Devontae Graham's gone, uh, Lamelo's going to be closing all those games in that spot. So I, I think a big point of emphasis for his offensive games, your point is going to be, you know, increasing the free throw rate. Um, you know, the team in general, there's there's not a lot of places to look uh in terms of how they're going to get to the line more often because they just don't have you know a lot of guys a lot of slashers they can get to the rim and and create havoc i mean miles bridges is is the one a option there but this is a team that they want to get you in rotation you know they want to get downhill and they want to you know drive and kick drive and kick spray it around and and take as many threes as possible so they're not a team that is built on bowling their way to the rim so i I wouldn't wouldn't expect them to make a huge leap um in the free throw rate uh category if they do make a leap that'll pretty much solely be be because of Lamelo
2: ball though yeah that that is what i'm curious i do think that Lamelo is going to be someone that you're going to see him get to the line more this year um Hornets last year, ninth in three-point attempts at 37 per game. The Pacers were 18th at 34. They've made a major emphasis on shooting more threes in preseason, but the Pacers also did that last year in preseason. Didn't really translate, so I'm curious to see uh, if that rolls into the season. Now, the only injuries I saw for the Hornets, Terry Rozier, Miles Bridges are day-to-day. I imagine they're going to be fine and able to suit up for game one.
1: Yeah, should be full health for Charlotte tomorrow. You know, Rozier uh, has been battling – uh, a little bit of an injury here through preseason, but he'll be fine. Um, you know, Gordon Hayward had the health and safety protocols that held him out. I think he's back in practice full. And then Miles Bridges had the the slight scare with his knee uh, in preseason, but he's good to go. And I, I think James Borrego is expecting a, a full health tomorrow. So we should be should be a, a match up where we get to see all the bodies at least in game one.
2: Wow, Spencer, that must be nice because the Pacers have a long. Laundry list of injuries. I mean, TJ Warren is out. Karis Lavert is out. Uh, Justin Holiday and Jeremy Lamb are questionable. I do think they're probably both going to suit up. Uh, Keelan Martin's out, but you know he he probably was not going to get in the game anyway. So you know, the Pacers are already starting the season pretty wounded. Lavert expected to miss the first four games of the season. We are already calling that a success because you know it was a hairline back fracture. It could have been. Could have been far worse, but hey, that, that's what it is. So uh, Charlotte at least has a one up on us in terms of that. But what has to go wrong for the Hornets to result in a Pacers victory here?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I think rebounding is is a big piece of tomorrow's matchup for mm-hmm. sure. I agree. I mean, we, yeah, when you consider yeah Sabonis and Turner going up against those guys, and again, I mean Mason Plumley, really the only true center you're going to see in the game for Charlotte tomorrow you know, it has to start on the glass, I think for the Hornets, um, you know, and then I think Charlotte's got to shoot the ball. Well, I mean, their starting unit Rozier, uh, you know, miles bridges, uh, you know, these guys got to knock down shots. The shooting is going to be more of an issue for the Hornets this year, but they, again, they, they want to play uh, that, that driving kick scheme in the half course. They need to knock down shots. The last thing I would mention is, is pace. You know, I, I, I'm uncertain to what degree Indiana will want to push the tempo this year. You know, I I think when uh, when T.J. McConnell's in the game, you know, it's going to go a little faster. But I'd imagine it's a team that's going to be a little bit more deliberate with their offense. So can Charlotte get the game to the speed they want it is the other thing I would be watching. I think that could really, really help them because I think they're going to have a hard time scoring in the half court against Indiana.
2: Yeah, I mean, I really hope that the defense is, you know, kind of what they they've been preaching all offseason. I mean, really, it was disgusting last year. No defense was played at all. So, you know, they brought in pretty much a whole brand new coaching staff. Very few holdovers from last year, and that that's that's what the main emphasis has been on this year. Uh, when you mentioned rebounding, I mean, in the, the one forty four to one seventeen play in win for the Pacers, Sabonis himself had fourteen points, twenty one rebounds, and nine assists. You know, that was obviously a big a big part of the game. Eight players scored double figures, and the Pacers shot 55%. So, look, it, it's obvious to say, hey, whoever's going to play better defense is going to have a better shot at winning. But also rebounding, getting the free throw line, I feel like that's going to be kind of it's always been the Pacers' weakness. So I think whoever does that better is probably going to come out on top. But essentially, if the Hornets are going to win this game, what is it going to be due to what's going to be the thing that goes right or maybe who is the player that is kind of in control all night for the hornets yeah i mean i, I think it's pace i
1: really do like I, I think that that's how the horn that's how they want to punch teams in the mouth this year you know they want to come out they want to be aggressive defensively you know they want to get their hands on, on loose balls they want to create deflections like they want to run get out in the open floor create momentum that way you know get get their opponents on their heels, out of the, out of their scheme that way. So that's what I think it boils down to, and that's where you're going to see the highlights. You know, the the Lamello Ball to, to Miles Bridges, Lamella Ball to Kelly Oubre, and in transition, like it's, that's just where Charlotte wants to live. So I think that really is the key ingredient, and I think, you know, the chef that's going to stir that is, is Lamella Ball. Um, so you know, I'm I'm really hoping of of everything that I actually want to see him do from a basketball perspective this year. I also want to see him be a leader um you know of this team and and know when to slow it down know when to speed it up know when to uh you know pick his teammates up off the floor you know i'm watching for that from him as well but when you talk about tempo you talk about pace and how the hornets want to play it starts with Lamelo.
2: i completely agree on that it really does um you know gordon hayward that's that's someone that i have my eyes on the pacers brought in twig craig not known for his offense but known for his defense someone that the pacers really struggled kind of guarding wings last year, you know, a ton of small forwards just killed the Pacers last year. And I feel that I want to say Gordon Hayward had a great game against the Pacers last year, but you know, it's, it's been, that must've been in the first half of the year. Cause he obviously missed 44 games. So, you know, that's a matchup. I, I want to see. Um, I have my eyes on that, but can I get a prediction from you in the game? Now the score does not have to be exact because we haven't seen any of our teams play yet, but uh, what's kind of your gut call on the outcome of this game?
1: Yeah, you know Charlotte at home. Um, I, I, you know, I think the line is is Charlotte by two. Yep. So I, I think that's pretty fair. I think I'll take the Hornets in a really close game uh, in this one. And the only reason I'm saying that is because it is in Charlotte. So I think they get the nod here, and I think they'll get the win to start the season.
2: You know, I, I would love to just sit here and tell you that you're absolutely wrong. But given the fact that the Pacers are without Lavert and TJ Warren, look, mm-hmm. and you know, we'll find out about Justin Holiday and Lamp. You know, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. I cannot start the season picking against my Pacers, though. So I'm going to go with a little bit of upset. 116, 111, we will find out who is right in the end. The Pacers will cover that bet. Maybe they won't. Who knows? But that's what I'm going to say right now. So before we uh, wrap up over here, I want to get your outlook for the Hornets and then hear from an outside point of view what your outlook is for the Pacers.
1: Yeah, so outlook on the season, I guess. Yep. Yep. Um, I've got the Hornets at 39 wins. Uh, I think I started at 41 and going through preseason and just sleeping on it a little bit more. I've, I've come down to 39. So 39 and 43. Um, I think this is ninth place team in the East. So really a similar season uh, from last year. Uh, the main thing, that, though, is you want to see another lead from LaMelo Ball. Um, so, you know, I think the Hornets would be – if they got 39, 40, 41 wins, I think it would be considered a successful season um, and in LaMelo de- ball development. You know, in terms of the Pacers, you know, I, I mean, I, I like the roster, I really do. I, I I, think like the rest of maybe the league at this point, just a little confused as to like what the plan is with, with Turner and Sabonis, like where is that going? How is it going to allow them to play? I'm really curious to see how Carlisle, you know, navigates that. I, I really like the additions they made, you know, in the draft with Duarte and Isaiah Jackson. Duarte is really going to help these guys immediately. He was one of my favorite college prospects. And I think we saw that in summer league and I didn't see much of the Pacers in preseason, but I'm sure he, he looked pretty good. And, you know, with the, all the injuries on the wing that you've been, you know, you pointed out, Duarte is going to have to play minutes for Indiana early. So I like what they did there, you know, locking up Brogdon. That's a good feeling. You know, I'm sure you're going to get him coming out of the gates, playing strong, you know, with that contract extension, and then you know from there, it's just it, it's what you were mentioning about the injuries. It's like, what's the deal with TJ Warren? You know, what I mean, this injury now is just like, when is this guy coming back? It's it's quite confusing now. And and then Karis Levert, I mean, he's he's the he's the real wild card for Indiana, right? Like he was, I think it was a great trade that they made to get him out of Houston, who who just basically chose Oladipo over him, I guess, and. Um, I've always been a Karis Lavert believer, but man, it's, it felt like, you know, as soon as Indiana got him, now we're, we're learning all this medical, uh, these medical concerns and those seem to continue to, to creep up. So, I mean, I think Indiana has the talent to be a top six team in the East, uh, as good as I would say Boston, right. Or Philly, if things really continue to spiral there, but you know, you just look down the board and there's so many injury and health concerns right now, it's just it's, it's hard to imagine all those are going to play out the correct way. Uh, But look, you guys got Rick Carlisle as a coach. I think that's, I mean, he's one of the best coaches still in the NBA. So I'm, I'm just super curious to see how he brings this team together and, and how different their scheme looks from what was a bad situation. I think coaching wise last year.
2: Yeah, it was an absolute circus in Indiana last year. I mean, Assistant coaches were ready to fight players and vice versa. I mean, the assistant coaches did not know their role. Bjorkren seemed like they, they labeled him they a Jackal and Hyde type pers- personality. That is so alarming as an NBA head coach. So I feel like you bring in Rick Carlisle and a much more established coaching staff, including you know, Lloyd Pierce, who was just with Team USA and the Atlanta Hawks, and just so many other pe- uh, coaches that have been around the league rather than a group that seemed that, it was just thrown together because we heard Bjorkren could not get assistant coaches to coach for him. So it was alarming, but, you know, it's not many teams had their big off-season, off-season acquisition be a new head coach, but that's what the Pacers did. They, they've been waiting to just run this starting five back together for basically what seems like the first time because they've been hurt. Everyone's been hurt. The TJ Warren injury has me alarmed that he could miss maybe the first 20 games of the season. Maybe it's even more, but Lavert, like you mentioned, actually came off a career year for the Pacers. So he's, he is the wild card. He's the guy that everyone's looking at to say, we think that this guy's getting better. And that if he continues to get better and everyone else can, and Carlisle can utilize the bigs, right? Just like you mentioned, then that could make a big difference, but the East Spencer, it, it's tough. I mean, look, there's teams like, you know, maybe like Orlando, Detroit and Cleveland, their expectations should be very low, but they have promising young players. The rest mm-hmm. of the East it, it's on the rise. I mean, it, for a long time, the West has been what felt like significantly better than the East. But you look at these these playoff teams; it's now just not one through eight. It's one through ten that yeah. it feels like is really, really competitive. I mean, there's teams like like Charlotte, teams like Chicago. Those yeah. teams were looking on the outside last year in terms of the actual playoffs. That it's hard to really pick against them. Teams like the Knicks all of a sudden went from being the laughing stock to they, they had the fourth seed, Atlanta. They hadn't made the playoffs in years. They went to the conference finals. I mean, we haven't even yeah. talked about any of the elite teams in the East. So it's going to be very, very tough. But I'm very excited to have the season kick off tonight as we're recording it. Spencer, we will catch up after this matchup. But I want to thank you for coming back on. A reoccurring guest might be your third time on the show. We appreciate every single one. And tell everybody where you can find us and what you have going on with the Busby Pod.
1: Yeah, yeah, Uh, BuzzBeat Podcast, Uh, we'll be, we're part of the Blue Wire Network, Um, we'll be multiple times per week, all year, if you're ever in the need of a (laughs) Charlotte Hornets fix, you can follow us on Twitter, at BuzzBeatPod, Um, yeah, and you can follow me on Twitter, at QCH Spencer, QCH, the significance of that, it used to be Queen City Hoops, uh, back when my fingers still worked, and I used to write a little bit, so Queen City Hoops is no longer, I just haven't gotten around to Uh, changing the twitter handle yet so anyways if if you're interested in some extra hornets content on twitter uh, at qch
2: spencer awesome give him a follow spencer good luck in wednesday night showdown you too man
1: thanks a lot
2: Great having Spencer on the show. Always a treat to hear from, uh, you know, another fan base over there, the Charlotte Hornets. She does great coverage over there. So make sure you check out the BuzzBeat podcast. But for the Pacers, you know, we, uh, we're we hearing that Justin Holiday progressing well. We're hearing Jeremy Lamb progressing well. Uh, my guess is if Holiday suits up, which I feel like it's more and more likely that he does, that he probably re enters the starting lineup. What does that mean for Chris Duarte? Well, Duarte may come off the bench. I feel like Justin, given the fact that he started 52 games last year, feel like I they're likely going to put him back in the starting lineup if he's rushing to come back. I do think that uh, Tory Craig probably slides over to the three right over there in the starting lineup. So that's going to be something uh, to take a look on. Look, I definitely wanted to see Duarte out there with the starting lineup starting the game, but that might not be how things shake out. I'm just going to be happy to have Justin Holliday and Jeremy Lamb back. As we wrap up, everybody, I could not be more excited at Pacer Basketball. Back when you were listening to this, it will most likely be game day. So get excited. Break out the fly swatter and get ready to squish some Hornets because it's, they're getting a little buggy. And bugs, well, they're pesty. Those Hornets, that they are and the team that we saw in the playing game, but we were not backing down. So let's see if, uh, if uh, things go the same way as they did last time. I hope they do, but you can find us on social media at SettingThePace3 on Twitter. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at PacersTalk. You can find us on TikTok at SettingThePace. You can find us on Facebook at SettingThePace. My name is Mike Facci. Alex Golden can't be here, but I know he sends his regards. And if you are looking forward to seeing Pacer basketball, back in less than 24 hours. Give me these three words. Let's go Pacers.
0: This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines.